Josh Hartnett has more stage presence than this man here. They think he seems like, quote, a real one. I feel so empty. Compound B. Feels good. We're in over our heads. Maybe it's time for me to save you. Bees? Welcome to Compound B, a show about the boys. I am Jamie G. Esquire the Fifth, and my special skills include my Chicago accent. I'm talking about pickle, mustard on the hot dog only. You put ketchup, you're dead. You're dead. I'm here with Magna Mills, and I want to talk about the Guardians of Godolkin, the season one finale of Gen V. Mills, did you make it through Thursday Night Football before you watched the finale? How did this work for you? I am Magna Mills, and I have to admit, at, at halftime, I'm like, I have a walk the dog. I'm like, well, I'll just start watching the episode on my phone while I walk the dog, because it's just the previously on and everything takes like 10 minutes and everything anyway, right? And yada, 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 uh, I got back home, and I did manage to finally catch like the last five minutes of the game after I got done watching the episode. So um, it all worked out, though. Uh, no complaints. And hopefully you don't have any complaints about Compound B, a show about the boys. We are here breaking down all the episodes, and you can find us on YouTube, wherever your podcast. We're on social media at Compound B Pod. Thank you for checking us out, and please do not forget the flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. Helps other people find our show, find our channel. Helps us out a ton. It's all we ask. If you had fun, please give us that thumb. Just one. Then you're done. He's a poet, and he didn't even know it. And just a heads up, there will be full-on spoilers from here on out. That includes all episodes of Gen V and the boys. We might even get into a little bit of the boys' comic book run. Uh, we might even do a little bit of the uh, the anime joint. So this is your one and only warning. We're spoiling. This is Guardians of Godolkin, Season 1, Episode 8, the 8th overall episode of Gen V, the Season 1 finale. Originally released November 3rd, 2023 on Prime Video. Directed by Sana Hamri. This is the first episode of The Boys or Gen V that she has directed. Written by Brad Agelstein. First written by credit for him on Gen V or The Boys. Special guest stars include Carl Urban as Billy Butcher, Anthony Starr as Homelander, Colby Manifi as Ashley Barrett. Guest starring Patrick Schwarzenegger as Golden Boy, Sean Patrick Thomas as Polarity, PJ Byrne as Adam Bork, Alexander Calvert as Rufus, Maya J. Bastidas as Justine, Daniel Bierne as Social Media Jeff, Robert Basoki as Liam, Matthew Edison as Cameron Coleman, and Sabrina Saudine as also Ashley. Now, a word from Gen V. If you or a human loved one have been injured or killed while working at Godolkin University, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Hundreds of human employees have been victimized by Godolkin students, but the law offices of Bremer and Bremer have won them millions in personal injury and wrongful death lawsuits. Contact us for a free consultation at 1-888-177-2774. Know your rights. Always know your rights. And, you know, look, Jamie Jaskar the fifth will tell you, seek. Seek counsel. Now, we've been looking to college for our inspiration for shots, but Mills, I might legitimately need them before we talk about this episode. Crazy town here. What is up with the shots? I think I might need them too. And we actually do shots as our way of determining kind of our overall thoughts on the episode. And we use the same process that you would usually use back in college when you were deciding whether or not to go to class. If you're not really feeling the episode like a bad class, you're skipping it. If you thought it was decent enough, you're hitting snooze, you'll get there eventually. And finally, if you love the episode, if you love the class, you are an on-time student, you're playing the job rule, you are always on time for class, sitting there before the professor starts, just waiting for the next one. JBG, uh, you can pour first, and I'd recommend using your strong hand. Well, I'm, I'm heavy-handed here today, fella. I, look, man, it's the season finale. I've got some things that I'm gonna that I'm gonna talk about because we got to be real here. It wasn't perfect by any stretch, but for me, I'm gonna be an on-time student. I really liked it. Um, I thought they did enough here to get me incredibly amped for not only season two of Gen V, but the boys and how this crossover is and what's happening in the world and all this crazy stuff and regarding the boys universe. So for that, for some of the action, for some of the surprises, for some of the additional superpowers we see out of like Marie and, and things like that, I, I'm, 
I got to give this thing a, an on-time student. I really liked it. Yeah, play the Ja Rule and the Ashante. I, I'm on time with you there, whether or not we're, we're in the same dorm or whatever. It was always nice when you had someone to walk to class with. I think my main problems with the episode are more about what wasn't in it than what was. Almost everything in the episode I enjoyed, even if I had a couple quibbles with some of the logistics. I think most importantly, it surprised me in parts, and it got me very excited for both the upcoming season of The Boys and for season two of Gen V. I think it ticked all the boxes. It did what it needed to do. So I'm on time for it. I'm there for it. I'm excited about the next one. But you are right. It was not perfect. And I still think we're waiting for that kind of like uh, like the top tier episode, right? Like every show you know when they get there and they have that episode. I don't know that we've gotten there yet in season one. Doesn't mean that they won't ever get there. It takes a lot of shows. You know, they don't hit that episode until season two or three. You know, I think they've done enough here to justify more shows. It just, you know, you were maybe hoping for that, like, finale that pushed it to the next level a little bit i don't think they quite got to that height yeah I, I would agree with that and you know we did think about leading off uh by discussing the end of the episode but i think we're gonna get hung up on that for, for a while so instead let's just start with how we get there the episode opened right where the last one ended with indira still bleeding out on her living room floor Mills, did you like the choice to open up the finale this way, just picking it up right, you know, kind of right split second from from the where the, the penultimate end, episode ended? I liked it because it was basically a choice to give us a different POV. We opened with Marie's POV, and that's what made it work, because you open by hearing her hearing everyone else's thoughts, and they're almost unanimous in, like, what did she do? This is crazy. She just killed her. Oh, my God. Except for Sam. You just hear his, like, random thoughts in there. She tortured us. So it's a nice little subtle way of maybe giving a little bit more reasoning as to why she felt confident that Sam would side with her. Because you see that bit, like, right when Jordan comes up to her, you get the idea that if Kate can't touch them, she doesn't really have a, a physical power, right? She can be pretty right. easily overwhelmed, and that's why she tells Jordan, like, yeah, that you could stop me, but how about him? You know, and that's when Sam steps up. So I think that was a cool way of giving us an insight both into how her powers work now with being off the pills and as to why maybe she felt a little bit confident in doing what she did and, and even a little context, maybe why Sam did what he did. So of all the ways they could have started it, I think this looking back, I, I don't know how you would have done it differently. So I don't have any problems with this at all. How about you? I agree. I, th I think that it was, I think it was the right call here. That was such a, a massive moment. I think you kind of needed to see, well, what do they do then, right? What do they do next? Because that's kind of where, you know, I was left at the end of last episode was how the hell are they going to get out? Like, what's what's going to happen now? So I, I was pretty happy about that. Pretty pretty happy about that. Let's talk about Sama, or should I say the couple formerly known as Sama. Mills, I shed a tear as this relationship went from just the strongest as it could ever be to seems to be failing. We'll start with Emma here. Once again, she doesn't get much to do in this episode, um, which is a real tragedy if you if you ask me. What did you think about the big scene between her and Sam on stage in Adam Bork's class where Sam basically is just mean to her, dude? Um, and he didn't have to be. That was it was shitty. This was probably the biggest turn in the episode from an emotional or character-based standpoint that was toughest to understand. Like what changed? You know, what is it that it pushed Sam over that edge? And, I, you know, we'll talk about him in a minute. I think you see some of that illustrated by his visions of Luke. Like, he knows deep down he's not doing the right thing. I guess they're trying to just go with he's just that angry. You know, now he has a face to the people who tortured him for all those years. And I do have to admit, if I was kept in a hidden medical facility and experimented on and tortured for years, I would be kind of mad if everyone just kept telling me I need to chill out or whatever. You know, I think there is some truth to that, but he goes to, to many deep personal levels in his attacks on Emma. And I think that's the part that really kind of hit the hardest. Right. And really like this wasn't just like your typical kind of, you know, I shouldn't say lovers quarrel or spat or whatever, but it's like Sam went for like the word you would say when you don't want to ever talk to someone ever again, not just break up. You know what I mean? He tried to like right. it was like he was deliberately going for one of the most hurtful things I can say. And to be honest with you, I'm surprised he even had that good of insight into Emma's character after only kind of, you know, I'm sure they obviously had conversations we didn't know about when he told her about the puppet stuff or whatever. But the fact that he goes right to like, you would do anything for everyone to like you. you that's not a hero. 
you know, that's basically hitting back at all of her biggest insecurities and worries. And, you know, it was just absolutely devastating, I think, for the most part. And this is where I'm I'm just a little bit frustrated with with the show because they're just they had done everything to purposefully show you that those two were locked in and Emma, not that she had control over Sam, but he listened. She could get through to him. He respected, loved her and and would do anything to not hurt her. And then all of a sudden he just turns cold and and just hurts her. I just, I don't know, man, this, it was, it was a stretch for me. They didn't do enough to, to kind of get me there to believe that. It just made you just sad. Right. I think we even said that like, yeah, can't they just be together and be happy. But it, this is what shows do, right? You know, you have to kind of like give people what they want and then tear more parts so you can bring them back together later. That's fine. It just, it felt like it didn't track with just as much as it seemed a little weird that they, you know, got so close so fast. I mean, I guess maybe that is college in young love or whatever, but it just seemed in this circumstance, like the whole idea that, you know, Emma's like Sam's mad because Emma showed up and told him like, don't kill people. And Emma's like, dude, that's kind of normal. Like, that's not weird. Yeah. Well, and I get that he's like, this is my normal. But honestly, he, it hasn't been the last five episodes, right? It's like he hasn't wanted to. He's he's been the whole puppet thing to to kind of block it. He's he's shown this innocence where he doesn't want to be like that. That's just what he knows. So it just to me, it was just it didn't work. Outside of that, we did get something really cool. And it was the start of 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 not not necessarily a full blown theme, but definitely the start of something here in terms of uh, these these young kids realizing more about their superpowers. And that was Emma shrinking down at the end uh, of this scene with her and Sam without any purging. I thought this was really cool. I really enjoyed her just kind of like with these huge shoes and this draping gown that was her clothing. And just the sheer shock on her. And it just goes to show you that they are really missing by not using her more. She's a phenomenal actress, a great character. They got to figure out ways to incorporate her more in season two. Yeah, she absolutely crushed the scene with Sam. And then, like you said, the scene where we see her small. And, you know, I read a couple interviews with the showrunners. Again, we said spoiling everything here. And they, they weren't answering things exactly. But the impression they gave is that, you know, maybe her power is more you know, connected to the way purging made her feel than the actual act of purging. You know what I mean? It's about that emotional state. Emotional. And here it seems, yeah. I mean, pretty obvious, right? She feels, Sam makes her feel small and tiny. So she shrinks to small and tiny. That makes enough sense. I think that'll be something, you know, fun to explore in season two. But I mean, that's basically what she gets. Like this is the episode, I mean, yeah, for her. Oh, she gets the one line. Uh, right at the very beginning when they're talking about Indira and she says, uh, the situation is bleeding all over the fucking rug. A lot of Jersey Shore flashbacks on that one. So uh, that, w- that was fun <laughs> for me. And uh, did Adam Bork, just the beginning of him just absolutely killing this episode, like low-key MVP, when he calls Sam out. Okay, remember when I talk about stage presence, everybody? That is not it. Josh Hartnett has more stage presence than this man here. And I could say that. Because we are close personally. That was a great one. And then even when the dude's doing his scene and just shout out the dialogue from Dawn of the Seven and everyone starts to clap and he just looks back and he's like, no, only I get to clap. I, I loved it. And just the way that he's, you know, that is how you deliver a compliment without being a fanboy. Very cool. Um, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad he came back around again. I think we, I don't know if we, if we asked each other that earlier in the season on, on an episode of, of Compound B, if we thought we'd see him again or not, but Glad we did. Mills, on the other side of the proverbial divorce courtroom here, we have Sam. Twice in this episode, he has a vision of Luke who tries to talk him out of following Kate and hurting humans. Did you like how they basically use Luke essentially as Sam's conscience? Yes. I mean, it it kind of made sense in that as it was happening then, especially in the second time it happens where Kate's also there. I started just thinking of like the Eminem joint guilty conscience. And I just have like, you know, Luke's on one shoulder. He's the good side. And then like Kate's the bad conscience or whatever that, you know, the angel and the devil, or I, I had that whole thing in, just in my head. And honestly, I I thought uh, Patrick Schwartz had really killed here. Like he seemed, you know, pretty vulnerable. And it, it is interesting when you get into this, because he even admits like, I am you, right? Like I am just a, a product of your imagination of your brain telling you, you know, you're doing the wrong thing and you're doing it anyway. 
and you know, and I guess Sam kind of makes that point with his one line, like when Luke says, I love you, and Sam's like, But you said you were me, and trust me, I hate myself. If we're looking for character motivation, that's about as on the nose as, as you can be. Like he just hates himself, and Luke kind of piles on that, right? He says that he hurt one person one time and he killed himself over it, and he's talking about hurting Sam, right? I mean, this is some you know, a really just just messed up relationship between these two brothers. It is, but they one thing I like about this is they do just enough, just enough to make you think there's some redeemable hope here with Sam. And they've done it throughout the, the season, but they do enough here, even though he chooses not to listen to Luke, he, he, they still do enough to say, okay, well, his subconscious is trying to tell him the right thing. I think, and that's why it was so hard to buy this just blind faith following Kate. I just they they really needed to give him more in the penultimate episode when Kate has Indira kill herself. Uh, they needed to give him more there other than, you know, she saw partied she a little. Basically, her. that was the setup as he experienced yeah. life with other soups without being in the woods. And that seemed to be basically that. Yeah. And the Kate thing are basically the impetus. Right. But I guess he did know Shetty. He had seen her. You know, he was that was the first face he could be like, she did this to me. And I don't know if the, the whole rally was a setup for this, for him being this, because, you know, they've, they've subtly tried, well, not so subtly, but planted kind of these, 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 you know, sectors and, and uh, unrest with civilization between soups and, and, and humans. And he's clearly on side soup. We're better. We should kill everyone. But they didn't see this with Kate. You know, there was no indication that Kate was going to go this route. And they really didn't do a good enough job setting it up with Sam, in my opinion. Again, love the show, like the episode a lot. I, you know, I just have to kind of call it out as I see it here. Um, I think that I think that was a little bit of a miss for him. Yeah, and really, he did not. You know, he got the the scene at the beginning, the scene with Emma, and then he gets the scene where they go into the woods with Kate. And I thought that was a cool one because I think that was the first time when he gets down there and the guard kind of recognizes Kate, and then Sam just punches through his. A little face mask or whatever. I mean, just basically just breaks his skull and then rips a piece of his brain out. I think that's the first time we've actually seen Sam use his powers on a person without it being in puppet mode or what have you. So that was a, yeah. a nice little touch there. And then there was just a little bit of humor in that scene that I did enjoy. But Sam had the good line when they saw the, the one, the, the dude who actually got a, you know, poisoned or killed by the virus or whatever. So not only did they know that, at Sam points about he's that like, oh. was Andy. He was hilarious and then really sad. He was bipolar. I don't know <laughs> why. I'm not trying to like laugh at bipolar people, but just the way he delivered that so dry, like Leslie Nielsen style, uh, that cracked me up. And then and then the one dude, when uh, he's the dude who eventually burns the, the chick's face off, we'll get to that in a minute. When they free him, Kate's like, when's the last time you saw sunlight? And he's like, uh, is Gangnam Style still a thing? Open Gangnam Style. That's 2012. <laughs> so theoretically, if he's not lying, Dude's been down there for a decade. Think about that. A that's, decade of being experimented on, like, you know, in worse than jail for something that like, you didn't do or have any control over. That's just, well, yeah, you know, it does set up why these soups are so pissed off, right? Like, it, it, I, I totally agree with that. Context as to why they come out ready to kill everybody. Totally agree with that. I mean, not only, not only was he jailed and held against his will, but he was tortured and experimented on. So with cru with cruelty. So I mean, that's about no... as bad as it gets. Like that's about as bad yeah. as you can do to another human. Like who knows? It might even gone further than that. Who knows? You know, it's a uh, yeah. It's about as bad as it gets, really. I, I totally agree with that. But you would just thought that that anger and that hatred towards humans maybe would have been there before this episode. That that's my only kind of complaint there. And same thing with with Kate as well. Um, you know, you would think that it would have been there a little bit earlier, but yeah, I mean, I guess they, they tried to show, you know, how it wouldn't be or how they've been suppressed or whatever. And I mean, you even see that here, it's too much for him like to stop seeing Luke. He has Kate help him by making him feel nothing. And he's like, I feel so empty. It feels good because you get the idea that, you know, think about it, the, the visions he has with the puppets and the things we were seeing on TV at the stardust and everything, you know, you get the idea he can't ever have like a quiet moment, right? He just can't like read a book and turn it off or whatever. It like the, his right. head is just always going, and it, you you know you know those kind of people, and it's rough. But you know I don't think that they really 
just did enough with him here. I mean, even like when he fights Andre, that's a pretty weak fight scene, really. And honestly, based on what we know about Sam, like he should just just toast Andre, right? I mean, without yeah, unless Andre's using the metal stuff, he hasn't been shown to be like I think they said he benches three fifty or something on his little card. Yeah, I mean that's good. He's he's obviously strong for a dude his size, but with what we've seen Sam do, you know, it makes me wonder kind of if on some level, maybe Sam was holding back a little bit during that fight or something. Yeah. I mean, one punch should from Sam should send him flying into the sky. Like they just, you know, they make him out yeah, to be punch him in half, basically. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, you can punch. We, well, we've seen him punch through. Yeah. Through you punch right through that dude with like a bulletproof, but you're assuming like ballistic face mask on right through that. And the dude's skull, no problem. You know, he gets onto yeah. the couple good ones, but it feels like something's a little off there that he's pulling his punches or, Again, they've been a little bit unclear about how powerful soups are in general, but you're right. You know, how strong do you just get like generic super strength with B or whatever? You know, that kind of thing. Well, and then he's feeling nothing, but did he feel the electric shocks? Right? Because it eventually just stopped and it, and it put him out. I mean, I don't know. The the, the whole thing, I think they're right. I probably to... feel nothing emotionally, but you're right. Technically, like if you felt nothing, if your nerves, if your nerves were numb, you couldn't walk or talk. So. Yeah, that's one of those things when you get into the nitty-gritty of how do these powers work. Well, let's move on to Andre and his pops. Mills, it appears we were both absolutely dead wrong last week. Nobody caused polarity seizures. He has brain damage. Uh, and now I have Eminem brain damage stuck in my head. But he has brain damage from using his own powers. And the same thing could be happening to Andre here. We were waiting to see what was going to happen with Andre. This wasn't what we were expecting but I like it. I like that they gave Andre something in his mind to say, oh, wow, there might be recourse and there might be problems down the road from utilizing some of these superpowers. And I could end up having these seizures and and basically eliminating brain matter like my father. I really like this angle that they took here. It was certainly a surprise. You knew they had to be setting Andre up for something. I couldn't really figure out what it was. I really thought Polarity was going to have a little bit bigger role in the season. You know, he shows up for a few scenes here or there, but not in a single action scene. You know, I don't think we ever see him use his powers. Nothing wrong with that. It's just not really the way I, I saw it going down. I mean, Andre's got to be in a weird place, right? Because then his dad, like, his dad's basically, like, now you have to be Polarity and you need to do whatever Vaught tells you. And I knew about all the stuff. You can hate me or whatever, but you need to just be a yes man or whatever. You know, I don't think that's what Andre wanted to hear. And I'm assuming when he goes back to Vaught, like that's again, where we don't get a scene. Like I get why they cut away from, from there, but then we, the next thing you know, Andre just shows up with a helicopter comes, you know, that's again, like right. really kind of convenient timing there. Nothing wrong with it. I really like the scene with him and his pops. I think it really rang true. You could totally get with someone in the superhero industry. Like he was in with Vaught. That was a big time. He could support his family that way. And so he just did what Vaught asked, you know, no questions asked to a certain extent. And, you know, how many people do that at their jobs? You just, you know, you got to support the family. You got to pay the bills. You got to do what you got to do. Of course. There is, you know, be a little bit of issue on, you know, what does this do for Andre going forward? The one thing I don't like is one of the interviews I read with the showrunners, they're kind of like, well, look at it this way. Polarity's just getting symptoms now, and he's been doing this for decades. The implication is basically, you know, Andre could theoretically keep using these for the rest of the show, and it would be fine. So I don't think it's something they'll throw away, but, you know, and hopefully it's not going to be one of those things where every time he uses his powers, you know, you get some weird like twitching or whatever, you know, it, it, that seem, wouldn't seem to make sense either, considering, you know, his pop seems to be at least 25, 30 years older and is just now really experiencing real symptoms. So, you know, maybe it would have been even a little bit better if we'd like somehow seen his pops having the symptoms subtly before or his pops admitting it been going on for a while, that kind of thing. You know, this, it seemed like the first time it ever happened kind of. Yeah, but but the one it, it did. But the one thing I will say is they kind of did a good enough job for me, at least, that it seems like this entire season, Andre has been trying to find any reason he can to not be a superhero. And now you've got something that's going to be in his mind forever, uh, you know, literally and figuratively here with when he uses his superpowers, he's slowly killing himself. And, you know, could they take it into other superpowers? You know, I mean, is somebody somebody like Homelander with his superpower? Is that 
causing damage. Every time he does that, he, he creates nerve damage in his brain or something. I mean, who knows? So I think it, it opens up another can um, that they could potentially release or not. But I think for Andre's character specifically, he's never, since the season started, he hasn't been committed to the craft of being a superhero. So I think this is just another thing that kind of maybe gives him pause. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like his goal at God U was to hang out with his friends. It, you yeah. know, and not and like not piss his dad off, you know, just basically right. kind of get by a little bit, just coast more or less. It, it, you know, he wanted to party, people... have fun, enjoy women, and and that's it. Not be a superhero. You know, he never wanted to be number one. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of actually kind of fun stuff with Andre. I guess I do just want to point out that the hospital, he's in there in Vaught Tower. That's the same place we saw in The Boys where Andre got his heart transplant. We saw that, or excuse me, where uh, A-Train got his heart transplant at the end of season three when he was in there, when he got uh, Blue Hawk or Blue Falcon, I forget, uh, one of, I think it's Blue Hawk, got his heart. And Ashley's like, oh yeah, you're going to do all this stuff. You know, Jamie G, you have your Chicago accent. When they're kind of going through Andre's dossier at the uh, the trustees meeting, they list his additional skills as British accent, which is just a fun note because the actor is from uh, the UK, I believe. So he his natural accent is a, a British accent. And there is a small note there. It does say like Andre's mom, she runs the Polarity brand. So apparently she's in the picture still. We've heard a lot about his dad, haven't seen his mom or really even heard a reference that I know of. And, uh, you know, this one makes me feel bad. Ashley refers to his GPA of a 3.3 as being terrible. I don't think it's that bad, dude. I mean, I would have been happy with 3.3. Just kidding. You know I passed the bar. Uh, I am Jamie G. Esquire the fifth. It's not terrible, Magnum Mills, but it's not a 4.0. Anything else on Andre here? I thought, again, another really good bit of kind of hand acting with the yeah, I mean, the chopper scene was cool, right? It was just, again, he had to arrive in the absolute nick of time. That was a touch too convenient. They've been a little bit loose with that kind of thing. But it was really cool to see him show up there. Uh, you know, and I guess, like, you know, he teams up with Marie for a second there. And then basically, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, Guardians of the Gnolkin, right? And then he goes off and he has the basically the little confrontation with Kate where they do. It's almost like. Dark Vader and Luke Skywalker, right? Like, she's asking him to come mm-hmm. to the dark side. And he's like, no, you don't have to do that. And then she offers him her hand, and you see that it doesn't have the glove on, and he doesn't do it. What do you think would have happened if he would have reached out and took her hand? Would she have come with him, or would she have pushed him? I think she would have pushed him, 100%. She, dude, there was nothing changing what she was doing, and she was going to convince anybody and everybody to do this. And she wasn't going to let anybody stand in her way, including him. And I, I absolutely think she was. Yeah, at the bare minimum, she'd be like, you love me. Like, she would at least do that. Even if she didn't tell him what to do, she would at least be like, you you will no longer question me or you will love me or something. I think that, you know, we saw a little bit of kind of learned behavior with her, with her relationship with Endiri in terms of learning the art of manipulation. I think we saw that a little bit with Sam. And I think we were going to see it a little bit with with Andre there as well. Yeah, I think that's a good call. And one last little bit of humor that we got from the Andre and Polarity thing. When uh, Polarity asked Andre to get his phone and look up Heather, and Andre's like, Heather, Heather PR or Heather Wardrobe? Like, he's got his own Ashleys, right? Like, you know, we have Ashleys, Polarity has Heathers. Heather Wardrobe and Heather PR. I'd like to meet him someday. I would too. Gotta love it. Absolutely love uh, Absolutely love Ashley in this. We mentioned Emma not getting enough screen time in the finale, but how about Jordan? They help save Ashley and the trustees get into a brief scuttle with some soups, but that's basically it. I mean, a little bit disappointing here. Uh, I guess we did see kind of Jordan and, and, and Marie kind of team up for a split second there at the end, but not enough with Jordan. Was it? It wasn't for me. Not at all. I mean, again, Shout out when they go and they all the trustees are running out of the building and Jordan grabs them and we have an almost uh, like predator moment, like a get to the chopper. And Adam Bork's like, what do you mean? And she thinks it's closed. And you know, just again, another great Adam Bork moment here. But that's basically it. Uh, you know, everything else is basically in service of Marie. It's an excuse for her to stop the conversation with Kate. And they don't even really get like a fight scene like that. You know, I, I would have kind of liked more, I would say, obviously, of all the, the members of the quote-unquote gang 
Jordan definitely gets the, the shortest stick here in the finale. They get almost nothing to do. Yeah. And I, and I, I did like, you, you know, the little bit you get, it's kind of like Jordan wants to be, you know, wants to do the right thing here, just like Marie kind of as well. So I, I did enjoy that, but just not nearly enough. I did like the just natural kind of heroics there to kind of direct them to the plane and, or I'm sorry, to the, get to the chopper, got them to the chopper and, um, and, and kind of, you know, work to save them. Um, just not enough though. That's it. That's it. That's the problem. That's, that's it. Like that's you, again, like you thought they were building to something maybe with that storyline in, they're not yeah. even the one who goes to Indira's office, you know, to find the, the panic button or whatever. It just, it seemed a little odd. You, you just hope that it's in, you know, I was going to say, you know, hope that somehow lays down the future that it, she impressed or that they impressed OG Ashley. And now that leads to something, but based on the, the ending of this episode, I don't know that that helped any. Yeah, I, I don't. One person who did not lack for screen time in this episode is our girl, OG Ashley. She's even got also Ashley with her. You got to love also Ashley. Ashley has the meeting from hell with the good old Contruskies. It starts badly and gets worse quickly. Where do you want to start here, Mills? Lots to unpack with OG Ashley and also Ashley. I am impressed that also Ashley is back. I swear to God, she quit at the end of season three, but maybe OG Ashley made her an offer we can't refuse. I would love if they did like little webisodes or shorts or something that explains why also Ashley is back. I, I would love that. I mean, just everything about Ashley here is pretty great. The whole idea, she's uh, she's there. You know what she's missing to be there, JBG? A farm-to-table fuckfest. That's what she's missing. Yes, she is. To be at that board meeting right then. Uh, just great stuff there. Especially love when Adam Bork, again, MVPing, it comes up banging on the door, like yelling at her to let him in, or he's going to tell everybody what they did in the bathroom at a charity event. That's uh, just love the, the crossover again. A lot of great stuff from the boys bleeding in every episode has been kind of ramping up more and more. That was a hilarious part because that, I think that was an opener. Wasn't it for what, for a boys episode, maybe last season. That's not even, no, that was at the, the premiere. That was definitely at the premiere of Dawn of the yes, Seven. The this means this has happened multiple times in multiple bathrooms. So yes. it's, it's not a wonder. Like this is a, that wasn't a one-time affair. This is an ongoing affair. I would love to Good yeah, for him. give me a little, yeah, a little uh, behind the scenes or whatever. That, that seems like that's fun. And I love the running bit that every time something wrong kept happening, Ashley kept asking where Shetty was. Yes. Like not, it, it was every basically time. the clerks. Like, I'm not even supposed to be here today. It was her like, where the fuck is Shetty? Like those were basically, yes. you can interchange those two things basically. Oh, dude, 100%. And and they kept going to it and going to it and then, you know, cutting cutting away from it after she would say it. Great little bit there. I love the fact that things are so terrible right now. This is before they even know about the woods being, the, the patients in the woods being released and, you know, Shetty's, Shetty's daddy and all that. Their idea was they're just going to pro- promote somebody straight from the seven as a major distraction. Do you think that would work? And then it got me thinking in real life, would something like, are people that stupid and just be like, huh, yeah, I guess now I can focus on that and forget about all this stuff. And I kept I kept talking myself into, I think we might be. Yeah, I mean, look at it this way. They start out with, all right, things are so bad at Godok and you. We're just going to promote somebody for the first time ever from student to the seven. You know, I'm trying, that's basically the equivalent. I would say going from like getting promoted from your high school varsity football team to the NFL and starting at quarterback, maybe you could do it for a running back or a kicker or something, but no, for, for a big boy position or even like defensive end or something where it it would just be wild. And without consulting any of the other members of the seven, did, did you buy it that by the time we got to the end of this episode, one of these, one of our our gang, so to speak, the Gen V gang, was going to get elected to the seven, or or were you like, no way, that's happening? It's funny because when they first started out, they're spending so much time on Andre, right? That's where you get the scene with all of his uh, various statistics and, and everything like that. And I'm assuming they were going to do that for everybody, but then it, as soon as stuff started going bad, it devolved into all right, let's just we're just going to call everybody. We are going to war dial them. We're just going to mass dial them all and. Whoever can kill the people trying to kill us first gets to be in the seven. You wonder if they really have that kind of power to uphold that deal if it happened. But you obviously we saw Ashley's call to Marie, which I thought was pretty cool. Ashley even went to 
talk to her about like, oh, you know, not only the seven, we'll get you a meeting with your sister. It makes me wonder, did Ashley know that? Or was that written on the card she was reading? It, it could go either way. But considering that Marie was ranked number one, you would imagine that, you know, she would have been pretty close to the, the top of the list of people to call or whatever. You know, I guess maybe they went with Andre because he had the, the existing polarity brand and whatnot. Uh, so I really did like that whole conversation with Ashley and Marie. You know, I, I thought that bit was good. And I just love how Ashley gets all confident one minute, like when the sonic whistle thing started working. She's like, oh, see, it's all under control. What are you worrying about? And then when that stops working, she's just like, oh, shit, call Homelander. <laughs> Get the chopper here immediately and call Homelander. Yeah. I mean, she basically had plan A, B, and C. And we got to see really quickly there. Um, dude, I know that you were so sad to see social media Jeff suicide here, killed by Kate. Uh, but getting it on live stream, pretty wild scene there. Well, and that happened right outside of where they were, right? Yeah. Like they, well, they it happened, it. they watch it on live stream and they look out the window and just see the headless corpse. That's when it becomes real, right? Like that's that moment from Bad Boys where Martin Lawrence turns around. He's like, yo, shit just got real. Maybe that was Bad it Boys did. too. It was probably both, but you know, the, the Michael Bay, you do the full 360, you take off the sunglasses. Who who was he working for here? Because they made a you know, he made a comment. Oh, I'm pretty he, sure uh, actually uh they blood. set it up that he was on the phone with also Ashley. Like when he first okay. called in after the whatnot, like at, like when he's like, Oh, we got a problem. Like, I'm pretty sure you actually see a little bit of that other side of the conversation with also Ashley. So I'm assuming he was calling. Ashley, but also Ashley is working the phone for her. That's the way I took it. Yeah. Also, Ashley is just a is just a uh, a vessel for OG Ashley. Um, well, RIP social media, Jeff. You were fun while you lasted. We appreciate the uh, the laughs, especially early. Oh, I just shout out that he had his own uh, the Jeffsters. Like th that. That's what he called his little online army. And I do not know that theoretically might be a shout out to the, the show Chuck. Like that. Uh, a little uh, band on there that was called Jeffster. I don't know if that's unintentional or not or whatever. And I'm sure like Jeffster has been used, you know, a fair amount of times over history, but uh, just a fun little bit. And I liked how he just changed his stance up, right? Like when he got called out and he had to figure out who he was, his just whole body posture changed. He became way more confident and, you know, cause he was all awkward and everything when he talked with Marie before. So I thought that was a nice job acting right there by a uh, social media, Jeff, who we will not see anymore. We will not. Rest in peace, social media, Jeff. That brings us back to Kate and Marie, who play the largest roles in the climax of the finale here. Let's start with when, when Kate has Maverick attack Marie. Mills, were you surprised to find out that Maverick was Translucent's kid? That was a little bit of a, they just kind of slipped it in. I mean, I guess I, you know, we, we referenced it earlier in the season, like, you know, in comparing them, but a little surprised that it was his kid. Why not? I even remember Translucent saying he had a kid when he figured out that they had a bomb up his ass and Huey was going to maybe blow him up. He's like, oh, come on, man, I got a kid. So it it, all, it tracks and everything. I, I kind of like Maverick overall. Like I have questions about, is, is that his actual name, Maverick? Is he named after Tom Cruise? Is our whole Top Gun Translucent thing going on? I like all that. And I just like the idea that you figure out that he is walking around by choice at all times, naked, just hanging dong, wearing glasses and a hat. Because you see him when he gets shocked and he's unconscious, then he becomes visible. And that's how translucent was. He could come and go and make himself invisible or visible, but not his clothing. So it's just interesting that he has chosen to just do the hat. He can wear pants and a shirt and everything, but he chooses not to. He's just like, nah, yeah. just cap and glasses. It's all good. The hat and glasses. I got to say, I mean, this was really cool. You know, the, it's becoming a runner how they basically evolve Marie's superhero powers every episode. This was one of the coolest, man, when she kind of when she kind of slows down and focuses and sees his blood flow, basically. See, it starts with his heart and then kind of his whole his whole blood flow throughout his body. I thought this was an awesome dude this was the first of like three or four incredible things she does in this in this episode yeah and i mean that's what they've been building to the whole time and i do just want to say shout out maverick like we saw him uh with the uh the not horse but whatever like some llama was it i, I forget what uh the llama he had the whole thing girlfriend. going on and you even get a, a gag where ashley when they're talking about maverick and she's like oh is he is like perverted as his father basically 
And you even see here when he goes up to Marie before she pushes him to, or when she goes up to Kate before she pushes him to fight Marie. And he tries to tell her, hey, like, uh, Vaught just called me and told me I need to kill you. So that implies that he's at least decent enough that he didn't just go to kill Kate. Like, he went and found her, but he was going to tell her about it, not try to kill her. So that at least implies that he's maybe a little bit better than Translucent. Right. But yeah, definitely a cool, like, you know, you've seen a lot of takes on the invisible scene, and that was a good one. Um, Yeah. I mean, you talked about it with Marie. We talked about the invisible thing. Let's just do the the blood bullets. When she started, because I first thought when she was going to try to find him, you know, Deep down, I thought it was going to be the, the Newman thing, how it ended up being. But I thought for a second she was just going to rain blood. So you'd see him, like, I think yeah. they did that in one of the Invisible Man movies or Hollow Man maybe or something, just to cover yeah. him and whatnot, and you'll be able to see him. But then she, when she starts pulling up the blood, like, oh, where is this going? And then she basically makes blood bullets, I guess you'd say? Daggers? Blood knives? Yeah, blood weapon. Yeah, blood knives, I guess. I mean, they flew like bullets, but... They did. I guess you could this coagulate really the cool. blood, right? And make them hard. I mean, I, I suppose there's a way that would track. She was full-blown coagula here. Dude, this was a lot a of blood to work cool with, too. One. She didn't have to use her own. Like, she had plenty of, of blood available blood. And it just opens the the realm of all that she is possible for with blood powers. Because remember, early on, we're like, man, I don't know if blood ropes are really going to be enough for her to be like... They're really not. Well, they're, they're not at all. And that's probably the weakest thing she does right now that she's that she's figured out how to do this. Um, I thought that was really cool. I, I was a fan of these blood bullets or whatever you want to call it. Blood bullets sounds like you know Wu-Tang's next album, dude. Like that would be a great album name for the yeah, hence that's a yeah, that bullets. sounds like some you know, it's on the criminology track or something like that. And it's so good that Adam Bork is putting it in his next movie. That was yes, great it when it happens and they're all terrified. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm going to die, but I'm putting that in my next movie. Again, just a creeper yeah. episode MVP if we just gave it out that way. Just low-key Adam Moore kind of steals every scene that he's in. And Jamie G, I have to give it up to you. We got it here. Marie basically explodes a soup's heart or implodes it or floods it or prevents blood from going in it. Or There's a lot of ways, but you don't have to do much of the human heart to make it not work anymore. And She does something and it stops working as opposed to head popping, so... You've been waiting yes. for that one basically since episode one. So, uh, did you take pleasure in the death of this soup? I, I did. I, you know, I feel bad for the soup, RIP soup, but I was glad to see my premonition come to reality here with her, uh, with her ability to basically blow up a heart internally. It wasn't the coolest scene in the world because it's just like somebody having a heart attack, which sucks to look at. But it was, um, it was cool to see that super that superpower kind of come to life here. Yeah, and I think we're going to save the uh, the the end until the end. So let's move over to Kate here. You know, I think we've kind of touched on most of her stuff with, uh, you know, as far as Andre and Sam and Marie. I did like the little touch that when she goes down to the woods, she was able to go down there and the guard greeted her. That gives you an idea. Like she was going down there on the regular. You know what I mean? She was recognized. So it wasn't like a one-time thing that she went down there even two or three times. She was probably going down there, you know, on a weekly or monthly basis, at least to help them. You know, it makes it just, I think at least implied or at least implicit that she was more involved in some of the, you know, the workings at the woods than we would have thought initially. You know what I mean? You first wonder like, how much did she know? And I think it turns out she knew a lot more than she ever really kind of let on, even when she, you know, quote unquote, kind of confessed to the gang. Yeah. Well, because he even said, okay, we haven't seen you in a while. Like that, yeah, she you get the feeling like her first year or two, she was down there a lot. Yeah, probably every time something went wrong with Luke, right? Every time he had a dream that he remembered something or whatever. And you know, and she we we saw her have that conversation. Like he keeps remembering more and they have to keep doing it more yeah. and more. So it just yeah. shows you kind of how deep she was into it. And she was pretty brutal here. You know, again, we talked about making social media Jeff blow up his own head on a live stream. But uh, dude, how about that bit? where Kate makes a guard eat his own hands. And uh, shout out the sound yeah. design on that one, or uh, if it was straight Foley or digital or where you got that, but that was... Eat your own fucking hands, you monster. Right. There was some crunch in there, and it wasn't... It yeah, wasn't yeah. If, if you're not watching on YouTube, you missed the, like, oh my god, my fingers are getting eaten face I just tried to make, and I've never really that had that happen except for a puppy, and it's not usually as dangerous there, but... uh. That was Bruce, man. You just get the idea that Kate, like, she can be Kate the Cruel pretty easily. 
She can. I like Mills. I love it. Kate the Cruel. She really is. She has an evil streak inside of her. And you know, we'll save it for. We'll for. I know we got predictions coming up, but dude, I, I'm sensing some hardcore be with her and Homelander. Let's put it that way. Oh well, I mean, we're we're just about there because you know we haven't said it's in one part when Marie kind of saves. Jordan in the chopper and they start doing the slow walk and they're playing the uplifting music. And then you see Kate just coming in like a horror movie, right? You think it's over. The day is one and she just starts coming in and then Marie just pops her arm. Did that shock you in that moment? Or did you think that Kate was going to get there and make Jordan Marie fight? Uh, well, I thought, I thought, I thought she was, I didn't real again, this is the third or fourth new power we see out of Marie this episode. I didn't know she had the ability to do that. Yeah, this is the I Rufus still don't power. know how she did. She did this already. She blew his dick off. Same power. If you blow, it's... well, that but that had blood flow going to it. I, I, I guess your I arm, mean, your body has blood flow going to it at all times. But but that was a more like thought out. She had to look at it and it swelled slowly and then blew up. This was just a this was just a quick. I think it was just quick. implication. It was just. Jordan was in danger. It just triggered the reflex. That's where yeah. I went with it. She was that yeah. worried that she didn't think. She just acted. So in theory, she can blow up any part. She could just take somebody's leg off. She could take. Yes, yeah, so that's the guy. Off. I thought you were the one who basically said that to, to begin with. Like, yeah, just blow up yeah, the heart I mean, or whatever. It's insane. She just finally, to her credit, maybe she didn't want to go there. Like she was trying not to be that dark. She never really sat down and be like, "Can I explode someone's heart?" You know, this maybe not necessarily right. a bad thing that it didn't occur to her right from Jump Street. Yeah, absolutely, dude. She, she again, she wants to be a good person here. Um, yeah, I thought it was cool the way they did it, and I like that Kate finally because you know Kate kind of emerged as the big bad here this episode. It was weird, so it was nice to kind of see her get get shot down a little bit, at least at least for a moment, because as we all know, it was a temporary victory for Marie and Company. Yeah, good old Kate Blood Eyes. Good old Kate, Kate Blood Eyes here, man. Somebody's got to get her some clear eyes for real. This is a blood eye. Somebody called her, I think, Blood Eyed Billy Eilish, and I, I laughed a little bit at that. That's a funny one. Can Clear Eyes or Visine come in here? I mean, that's there's got to be. I can't believe they're not. There's like, difference a between bloodshot eyes and bloody eyes. I feel. Yeah, well, true, but it's got to work. They got to have something out there. And Mills, and then almost right on cue, magically. Wasn't magic, but Homelander appears out of the sky. He basically yells at Marie here. Then he lasers her right directly in the chest, we believe, and it cuts to black. We heard Ashley name drop him earlier in this episode. Was there any surprise to you that Homelander actually showed up and 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 had a you know a little bit of a speaking role here? Not necessarily. I do have to say that I really thought that they were going to go out of their way to try to make this episode stand on its own and not feed into the boys as much and then maybe go the Marvel route and do a mid-credits or a post-credits scene or something like that, which they obviously did do as well. I, I don't really have a problem with it. I thought the visual was great because at the end of the first episode, we look up into that same sky and see Luke kill himself. Here, Homelander comes down and then lands next to the statue of himself and even just, he gives it that quick look. You know, Anthony Starr is he's right up there in the, uh, you know, the Monroe Fuchs of the, of the world, uh, Stephen Roots, when it comes to face acting, he is definitely in the conversation. And he does some really good stuff here. You know, I, I thought generally he was great. And, you know, I just had to wonder, I'm like, man, how powerful is Marie if he really lasered her and she's just okay? Well, that that's, I mean, we've seen him. He basically cuts people in half, whether they're even soups are scared of him. Um, the fact Stormfront's that the us... only one I know he definitely lasered and she was like, all right, but she was supposed to be again one of the more powerful soups. So yeah, I mean this this blows me away that she could take it and is and is virtually fine. Um, I guess my thoughts here is A, it was super cool to see Homelander. I, I get your point of you know the show could and should maybe look at trying to stand on its own, but I like the bleeding of the universe. It makes it that much bigger, it expands it, and I think the universe is cool enough to where you know, and, and fun and interesting enough to where they can do it without it getting, you know, stale or overkill, at least in my opinion. I will say that that one thing that that happened here is, and obviously we, we kind of see it, but they're really leaning into this kind of like soups versus humans thing. And we saw it throughout this, this season, but this end here with Homelander and how they kind of frame 
you know, the, 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 the Gen V gang and prop up Sam and, and, and Kate really just speaks to where they're going with this thing. Right. In terms of the great divide between, between soups and humans. Yeah. And I mean, it seems that Homelander is basically leaning into the lessons he took from Stormfront from where we saw him at the end of season three, that it's going to be him versus the world. It seems like he is probably calling the shots for Vaught more or less at this point. So this was his choice to do it this way, because otherwise let's be honest here. I know it works from a PR standpoint, but how loyal are Kate and Sam going to be to Vaught? You know what I mean? Like, I don't They maybe, I I mean, I guess, you know, it makes you think about how ideological they are, where their arguments are actually coming from, but it works thematically. I mean, you start out with the Guardians of Godolkin, and then you have the new Guardians of Godolkin. And a shout out the actor who plays Cameron Coleman. Like that dude, like you can just like, I'm worried. I'm gonna like I need to take a shower after I watch him. He is so sleazy on screen. Like the the dirt just like just comes he, he really off is. of the dude. And the way he even says, like, oh, like everybody needs heroes like Sam and Kate, like implying the other group was you know not the best for reasons that are mostly obvious and visual and also relate to the uh, very famous family guy meme. It's just dirty all around. But I mean, again, he seems like that's Homelander's guy, right? Like that's, he's the mouthpiece of Homelander. I'm assuming at this point. Yeah. I mean, he really wasn't. Well, yes. I'm just saying it's back then. It was probably not even official. Now it seems like it's probably official official. And we're not really going to go into predictions here too much, but just any thoughts on, you know, the final bit where they are stuck in the, you know, that hospital-ish room, basically. There, there are no doors, but it does look like there is like a hatch in the ceiling for what it's worth. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting that they did all that to uncover, you know, I just, I just like the irony of it. I, I like that they did spend a whole season uncovering the woods, you know, wanting to do the right thing. All those people end up getting freed. And then those four end up back in the woods, uh, this version of the woods, whatever it is. So, look, I think it was a great cliffhanger to kind of let us, you know, demand and want and get excited about season two. And they can go a bunch of different places with it. So I'm okay with it. I mean, I know it's, you know, we we saw it all season with the woods. He kind of wanted something different, but I think this is, I think it makes sense. Who knows? It, it still could be something different. So we will uh, maybe save could that be. for the wrap up. You mentioned we're going to do a wrap up episode here, so don't go too crazy. But anything else from the finale you'd like to discuss? I'd like to just say one thing. We did get, you know, classic their usage of Rufus again. Um, where He's trying to do some video that's absolutely atrocious. Uh, when the when the soup, it's basically just the soup coming out for you to realize, OK, they're not killing soups. They're only killing humans. But, you know, it's like, okay, if we need somebody to do an odd job here, it's Rufus. And we got that again. So, wait, wait. He's the glue guy. He comes off the bench and does the dirty work. He's always there when you need a a familiar face. And, uh, you know, just not necessarily Ghostbusters reference, but definitely Ghostbusters reference. Jamie G, if anybody ever asks you if you're a soup, you say yes. Just say yes. Because that poor lady, when, like, dude just started burning her face. That was pretty brutal. I never would have thought like Rihanna's Desperado would have worked there, but it actually probably did for the most part. So I don't really have any complaints. And then just shout out Justine. Not my favorite character. It was definitely a, a capital uh, B to the ICH. But that bit with her and her roommate where they lose the Wi-Fi is just the best. It's so funny. and just. I just lost Wi-Fi. There's no signal. LTE? No, no, nothing. Harper! Who's gonna know if we die? What the fuck? So funny and such an accurate description of, of the youths, right? I mean, it was just, that that was a really good scene there. I mean, it wasn't technically the opposite, but I, I, I mean, how happy were you to see Billy Butcher, man? Mid credits there. Happy, but at that point, it was basically extraneous. It's like, okay, so Butcher's on to the woods. That's, that's up. We're already pretty sure that the virus was going to be a thing in season four of the boys. That really just confirms that. I mean, cool. And again, from reading some showrunner interviews, they were kind of trying to figure out how to basically have a scene similar to that in season four of the boys, where to put it. And so they were like, all right, screw it. Why don't we just stick it at the end of Gen V? And that's more or less what happened. So it works, but it is, you know, an add-on. It doesn't really change anything about the season finale of Gen V. It just gets you excited for season four of the boys. 
We always enjoy coming up with alternative episode titles when we talk about TV shows. Initially, Guardians of Godolkin seemed fine, but it definitely works better after you see the episode. With that said, you got any good alternatives for this one? I mean, dude, how could it not be Hot Jeff Summer? Everyone wants that Hot Jeff Summer, dude. Hot Jeff Summer. Shout out social media. Jeff, you will be missed. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of more serious ones, like uh, Cancel Them. It's kind of interesting. It's got a little bit of a double meaning there. Find the real you. You know, that's, again, kind of what you see going on with Marie, with Sam, with these heroes. I think those are both good. And, you know, another fun one is, of course, Get to the Chopper. You got any? Yeah, I mean, that's that's Get to the Chopper. Was I, I love that. Not really. I don't think I have anything that's 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 better than any of those. I, you know, it works really good here, but you know, they I, I think they went in the right direction. I, I'll give them that. You know, well, if you don't have any, then I'll, I'll just give you a, a couple, you know, a couple more fun ones, just uh, real quick. Blow the whistle would work here. That, that's probably not bad. A little uh, throwback there, if you get the reference. They could cue blow the whistle. There you go. That was it. Uh, Push it real good. I, I mean, Kate was pushing it real good here. <laughs> she was pushing. She was pushing hard. And, and then finally, why not just work him in there? Rufus's big break. Maybe this is the video. Like he was filming it. Maybe this is it's going to happen for him now. Uh, only a guy can dream, can he? Uh, those are good ones, Mills. Thank you for the chuckles there. We always appreciate that. And for the last time this season... It's time to give our most college moments from the episode. Bills, what part of Guardians of Godolkin, the season finale, episode eight of season one, Gen V, took you right back to your college years? Uh, I mean, there's a couple here. It didn't actually happen in the episode, so this doesn't count. But I know somewhere on campus, there's some dude who takes crazy naps and he slept through all of this. And he's just going to wake up after and be like, hey, man, anything happened while I was asleep? And it's just going to be like a lot of stuff happened. There was always a dude in college who took naps. And occasionally you would find out that somebody you know is related to somebody like either that you know or is famous or something like translucent. But honestly, most college moment, the whole thing is everyone freaking out the instant the internet stops working. Knocking on doors like, yo, is your internet still working? Is your internet still working? Is your internet still working? Like, it's not going to change. If the first three rooms on the hall don't have internet, no one does. That is spot on. I would say the only thing outside of that that I could give is just how quickly a relationship can end in college. You know, one minute you're like, you just meet and you're like deeply in love. And then the next minute you're just not only like breaking up, but you're saying like horrible, cruelty, terrible things to each other and just, you know, being extra dramatic with it. So I will give it that just relationships in college are just hilarious like that for the most part. Uh, that's my college moment. Very dramatic relationships in college. <laughs> yes. This was the season finale of Gen V, but the boys will be boys. Mills, we've got a lot of options here, so give us your favorite moment from this episode that references the boys or reminds you of, you know, the most of the, the hit show, The Boys. Man, there are so many you could go with here, but you know what? I'm not going to go with the obvious one. Give me Adam Bork pounding on the door, yelling at Ashley to let him in, and then threatening to tell everybody basically what she does tell in the threat. And then Ashley just be like, fine, we're doing it, we're doing it, shut your mouth, stop talking, stop talking. That whole bit, just crazy boys vibes there. So that's what I'm going with. I'll leave the obvious ones for you. Yeah, look, the obvious ones are, you know, Homelander showing up, right? We get a little Billy Butcher scene. All those are great, but I'm actually going to go with the gang itself, I don't know, just something about this episode with Jordan, Marie, Emma, it just kind of made me feel like they were the boys taking on the big evil empire, which is Vought, right? And 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 the soups themselves, because in a way they were needing to kill soups that had gone rogue. So it just kind of brought me back into that world and made me think, man, maybe this can be the next version of the boys when you know when when you know if something happens to uh the folks that we love so dearly over on the main show the boys so that that kind of brought me back a little bit yeah that makes sense i mean that's, that's pretty sure what they were going for so sounds like mission accomplished a little bit 
Mission accomplished. That brings us to our Gen V top three. We're each going to rank our top three characters after watching the season finale. Mills, you're up first here. Go ahead. Give us your top three. You know, because this is the last week and we've been doubling up too much. I, I say we go one by one here. I'll give my three. You give your three and uh, we'll do that for two and one as well. At three, I'm going with Kate. I would have had her at two, but I'm knocking her for losing an arm. And based on the way her powers appear to work, losing 50% of your ability to touch somebody, not optimal. So I have Kate at three. JVG, who do you have at three? I'm going to put Sam at three. He went off the charts here. Um, kind of ended things with Emma, went his own way, went against what his subconscious was telling him to do. And he just, while he's powerful, I don't know, something about this just lost my ability to believe he's as powerful as he is. Um, so I'm sticking him down there at three. Uh, a little down on Sam after this one. Fair enough. I am actually going with Sam at two. I think he showed all he needed to show when he just punched through that dude's head like nothing we basically see him in all of his violence either been directed against wolves if it was live action or against puppets when he was in Little Puppet World or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he can borderline fly. He's bulletproof, apparently. He, that's pretty tough, man. I, I know we've uh, seen some stuff here, but I, I still got to go with Sam. And again, now he's putting it, you know, a position of power based on the way this ended. So who you got it to? He is. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to. We're, we're kind of every other in here, but I, I, I'm putting Kate here. Kate, to me, emerged as a clear-cut brains behind the operation. She also showed tremendous, you know, strength in her own way. And, and they really kind of went into just how powerful she can be. I understand that she's limited because she has to touch in all that. But she absolutely showed just how powerful she can be. And I think if anyone has the cunning uh, nature and manipulative skill set to succeed in Vought, she does. So I'm putting Kate at number two. All right. That brings us to number one. And even if she is, you know, apparently locked up like Akon at the end, I am still going with Marie. She vastly expanded her powers, theoretically survived a, you know, point blank laser blast from Homelander. That's some powerful stuff, dude. So I have to go with Marie Moreau at one. Jamie G, are you also going with Marie or you got a swerve for me? I mean, could I say Homelander? I mean, obviously, I I, I could, but I'm not going to. I'm going to also go with Marie. Look, dude, she looks to be the most powerful um, soup outside of maybe Homelander. So, and it's only a matter of time before maybe she gets on that level. I understand she can't fly. I understand a lot of the things he can do that she can't. But, dude, she has a very, very unique skill set. I like where she's at. It's just going to be managing kind of the good versus evil in her and, and figuring out what she has to do to, to play the game, so to speak. So I like Marie a lot. She's, you know, she absolutely finishes number one for me. Yeah, I mean, this is what happens when bad meets evil. Yes. He's it, evil. It, it I'm bad like is. Steve Siegel. I guess we'll see you in hell for the sequel. I guess we will. And a season finale is basically the final exam for a TV show. I guess, right? That makes sense. So we have to give it a grade. Mills, on a scale of F- minus to A+, plus, what grade are you giving to the Guardians of Godolkin, the season one finale of Gen V? Uh, B+, plus. I think that's right where I was last episode. It really feels like those two almost could have been jammed together to be a super long finale or something like that. So I think that's fair. It's not quite getting into that A territory for me, but... Nothing wrong with the B plus. It was solid. I'm excited for what comes next, but did definitely run a little bit on the short side. Did give kind of the, the short end of the stick to some of our characters. Would have liked to have gotten a little bit more. So can't go all the way to the top of the scale, but I think B plus is solid. I'd be happy with a bunch of that. You know, not that much wrong with a bunch of three threes. Jamie G, season one, episode eight. Give me a grade. I'm going to also give it the B plus. I had this thing, you know, I went back and forth between A minus, B plus. I'm going to stay with B plus. I thought it was really good when it, the, the highs were awesome. But some of the things I didn't like were, were just too big to kind of overlook, to push it into the catapult, the catapult, you know, the, the, the world of A's. Um, I'm still waiting for them to have just a bona fide, absolute gem A plus. We haven't really seen a lot of that yet. I think it's close. It's on the precipice. Uh, but for this one, I'm sticking right there with you at B+. 
Yeah, you go A plus, and I'm like, ooh, Hempstead High, The Latchkey Child. Like, which A plus album are we talking about? A plus, baby. Uh, normally, it would be time for predictions. Unfortunately, we're out of new episodes, so for the time being, that's it. It's not all bad though. There's more Compound B on the horizon. Ain't that right, Brother Mills? Yes, sir. Dean Kane, sir. We'll be back next week or the week after, probably to wrap up season one of Gen V. Kind of give our favorites, maybe tell you what we didn't like, all that good stuff. And then we'll probably give, you know, a little bit of early season two predictions. And we'll talk about how we expect this to tie into season four of The Boys. And we'll be here to cover season four of The Boys. I cannot wait for that. It sounds like that won't arrive until sometime in 2024. But whenever it is, we'll be here. Hopefully it's not during football season, but we will be here. And in the meantime, uh, yeah, we're going to hang out. We're going to cover the first trailer when it drops, and we're going to work our way through seasons one and seasons two. Uh, Maybe that'll give us some time to do that, drop those for you guys, and just be all things boys and Gen V. Maybe we even look to do Diabolic. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, we already did it. I mean, I would hope they have more, but we definitely already did Diabolical. So you can uh, check that one out already. That was a good time. And honestly, you know, we all like Gen V, but I cannot wait to dive back into the boys. I am definitely going to rewatch the series before season four drops. So, you know, I think it makes sense to try to go back, do some of those older episodes. I think we'd have a real good time. But, you know, one thing at a time. Let's just focus on kind of wrapping up Gen V in the next week or two here. Talk about how it ties in. That'll give us the perfect springboard to dive back into the voice. Sounds like a plan, my man. Thank you guys for checking out Compound B. Remember to stick around for that wrap-up episode and let us know what you thought about the finale and season one in general. Drop it in the comments or hit us up on our social media. Hire a Skyrider. Send a telegram. Bring a raven, whatever works for you. Just don't do a three-eyed raven. We're not up for that level of of, uh, intensity just yet. Mills, remind everyone where they can find us. Thank you, sir. You can find us wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. We are on social media at Compound B Pod. Thank you for not forgetting to check us out. And do not forget the flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. It's all we ask. If you had fun, give us that thumb. I'm Magda Mills. He's Jamie G, and that was Compound B. I guess you've stuck around long enough for me to finally tell you what the B in Compound B stands for. It stands for...